1: Did I do that? (laughs) Okay. Well, God bless you for being here today. If you are visiting with us, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm Keith West, one of the elders here at Redeemer Church, and I just want to say God bless you for being here. I hope that you're encouraged in your uh, exploration of your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you walk out of here blessed and hopefully uh, our members will make you feel welcome. You are indeed welcome, so uh, it's good to see you today. Um, I was blessed with a praying mom. I know many of you are blessed with that too because I know your moms. Uh, My mom, from my earliest recollection, was somebody who prayed for me quite a bit and prayed for my brother and my two sisters and one of the prayers she prayed was, God, give Keith and Mark the wisdom of Solomon. I didn't ever hear her praying that for my sisters, so maybe she thought they already had it, and the two, two boys in the family really needed it. Um, but one time, I came to my mom with a problem. I was very young, probably five or six. I don't, I don't quite remember. But my mom said, well, Keith, have you prayed about it? And I said, Mom, I did pray about it, but God was out riding his camel, and he couldn't hear me. <laughs> and so you're thinking today, oh, great. So he's the one preaching about prayer, uh, needs a little help with his theology. But um, I'm very grateful for that, uh, a praying mom. One of my last recollections of my mom was her and my dad praying daily for all of their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and they, before they prayed, they did this ABC uh, memorization thing where they would take turns. Somebody would start with A, and they would have to recite a verse, a very simple verse that started with A, and they'd go all the way through the alphabet, and then they would get out their prayer list, and they would pray for every member of the family every day. And that's one of the, they were the greatest prayer warriors at the end of their lives that I, I think I've ever seen. So I'm very grateful, and I know many of you are grateful for that as well. But, you know, there's a, a continuum when it comes to holy habits. Um, let's, take the, let's take evangelism, for instance. There are people who wake up every day, they probably have the gift of evangelism, and they cannot wait to share the gospel with others. They will talk to anyone who listens and even people who really don't listen, and they're just excited every day at the thought of sharing their faith. So let's put them on one end of that evangelism continuum. Now let's think about the other end. People who never share their faith are totally intimidated to evangelize. And so that's, that's the two ends of the spectrum, and most of us are somewhere in between, right? Well let's take that with the habit of prayer. There are people in our body who have the gift of intercessory prayer. God in his wisdom has given them that gift and they love to pray. They wake up in the morning excited to pray. They wish there were more hours in the day to pray. They get concerned when they haven't had that time in prayer and so that's one end of that prayer continuum. And then there's the other end of the prayer continuum in the body of Christ where people seldom, if ever, pray. They may be intimidated by the thought of praying. It may be something that seems out of their reach having a healthy prayer life. Now I would say that's two ends of that continuum. And where I think most of us are is somewhere in between. And that's okay. But the point is we have to learn to grow in disciplined discipleship, and that means in prayer that we develop daily habits that help us move further in that spectrum toward loving to pray to our Father. Prayer is communication with our Heavenly Father, and if you think about it, it's a unique form of communication. I never prayed to my parents. I don't pray to Kimberly. I don't pray to any of you. I only pray To my Father in heaven. There is only one true recipient of this unique form of communication, and it is our triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So, as we look at prayer today, my hope for you is that, first of all, that God will speak to your heart. You know, His Word does not return void. If you look at Psalm 19, it talks about all that God's Word does for us. It gives life, it, it restores our soul, it uh, encourages to, us to walk on the path of righteousness. So I believe as we look at God's word together that he will speak to hearts. So let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. And there are two instances where we see the Lord's Prayer in Scripture. One of them is in Matthew, and it's the one that most of us are familiar with. It's a little bit longer version But I selected this one because it is the shorter version, because I think we need to boil prayer down to its elements here. And I love this passage of Scripture, and it's written by Luke the historian. And this is what Luke says in Luke 11, 1 through 4. If you have your Bibles, great, use them. If you don't, use your phone. And if not either of those, then look at the screen behind me. for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. So before we get into the actual uh, outline of my message, and for those of you who love to take notes, you may get writer's cramp today. There may be a few more slides than what you're used to seeing, and, and, uh, and that's okay. Um, but I wanna make a few observations about this. What do we know from this text? First of all, in verse 1, we see Jesus was a person who prayed. Jesus prayed. He practiced this holy habit. God the Son, who experienced unbroken fellowship with his Father, still saw that it was important to pray. He still prayed as part of his human experience. Jesus is shown praying at least 38 times in the Gospels. That's quite a few we we see Jesus praying 38 times. So first of all, Jesus was a person who prayed. And secondly, from verse 1, we see that he was pre- praying one day and in a certain place. Now, I found this interesting because if you've studied much about Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts in scripture, Luke was a medical doctor. He was highly trained, highly educated. Luke was also a respected historian. Historians like to record all the facts and all the details, and they don't want to leave anything out. So I think there's a purpose for this. Luke may have known where Jesus prayed, but I think what he's saying is there, it's, it's not exactly where you pray or when you pray, it's, it's the fact that you do pray. And I don't think there's any specific um, place or time that we're supposed to pray. We don't need to be in a holy place to pray. We can pray anywhere at any time. So, this is instructive to us. Luke intentionally kept it vague so that we would be encouraged to pray anywhere and any time. And then, third, my third observation about this passage is Jesus' disciples saw him praying. Now, Jesus obviously prayed in private, alone with his Father, but he was also comfortable praying in front of others. He often prayed alone, but he often prayed with others. And so there's this idea of modeling that Jesus is doing. So that's the third observation. The fourth observation is the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, this wasn't mentioned in the other account in Matthew. So I think this is significant, and, and the thought that occurred to me, although I read commentaries, I really didn't see a lot about what the motivation was for them comparing to John and his disciples. And here's what I came up with, and I, you know, it may be wrong, it may be right, but I thought about, you know, Jesus' disciples had seen John's disciples pray, Some of Jesus' disciples had actually followed John before Jesus was baptized, and then they followed Christ. John had been discipling longer than Jesus had been discipling his disciples. So I think John was further ahead in the journey of teaching them holy habits, and so they looked to John's group who are fasting and praying, and they they say, Jesus, teach us to pray like that. I don't think it was a comparison or trying to pressure Jesus, um, you know, in any way to John. I think they just saw that John's disciples had holy habits that they lacked. And so that's Keith's, Keith's interpretation. Who knows if it's true or not, but I thought that might be something for you to consider. And then there are three aspects to this model prayer, and I think those will pop up on the screen here. Three aspects that we see in Luke 11 one through four. First of all, adoration. Part of our prayer should be adoration, and it's, it's amazingly simple here. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. So what does that hallowed mean? I know some of the young people are probably thinking Halloween, right? <laughs> um, hallowed means holy. Hallowed means set apart. So, when you think about it, when we pray to our Father in heaven, He is unique. He's greater than, higher than, transcendent, and yet, this Father is as close away as our prayers. And his name is unique in all the earth. His name is is greater than any other name. Great is his renown. And so when we say, Father, hallowed be thy name, we are setting the name of God apart. We are setting our Father apart from all others. And the second aspect is supplication. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Lead us not in into temptation. So we see there are three areas of supplication there, God's kingdom, our daily needs, and not being led into temptation, and we're going to unpack that a little bit in a minute. And then the third aspect, which I think is very important, and which many Christians tend to leave out of our prayers, me included, confession. Forgive us our sins. You know, I'm convinced sometimes that our prayers are not answered because we simply don't come clean with God. We don't say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so as we come before the hallowed God and we bring our requests to him, we also confess our sins. So those those are the three aspects of this model prayer. But I think there's several truths that Jesus teaches us about prayer. And for you note takers, here we go. First of all, in verse 1, we see that prayer is personal. This prayer simply starts with one word, Father, Abba. And when you think about that, it, it says a lot about how Jesus wants to come, wants us to come to our Father in prayer. And this prayer is personal in that it's about relationships and basic human needs. Look at what it says in verse 2, Jesus encourages us to come to our Father. Verse 2, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And when I think about uh, this second aspect of relationships with our Father in heaven, Jesus encourages us that we can come to the Father at any time as children. I think about my kids when they were little. When they came to me, they didn't have to come with a laundry list of anything. They didn't have to get their act together. They came to me exactly as they were, and it was about relationship. It was communicating in a relationship. So, Jesus encourages us to come to our Father in heaven and it's not only relationships with our Father in heaven, it's relationships with everyone who has the ability to sin against us. So this is people in our spheres of influence. When we're in relationships, there are people who sin against us and, they, and we sin against others. So Jesus saw that this prayer is personal. It's about relationships with our Father, relationships with other people in our sphere of influence, and forgiveness is the key to an intimate, authentic relationship with both. God must forgive us for us to be intimate with him. We must forgive others for them to be intimate with us. So we see that it's personal in relationships, but it's also personal in basic human needs. Let's look at two through four together. He said to them, when you pray, Father, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. We see basic human needs. I think there's three for you note-takers. First of all, there's the need for hope in verse 2. Hope in God's kingdom come, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God that we live in. Jesus came to usher in the kingdom of God, and it will not be realized in its fullness until his return. But we need to hope in the kingdom of God. There needs to be a heaven-mindedness to our prayers, a longing like Abraham, who was commended in Hebrews eleven eleven for looking forward to a city whose builder and maker was God. So when we think about our Christian life, we need to hope in God's kingdom come. That gives us a sense of purpose in life. We're not here for some abstract reason, we're here for a very clear reason to glorify God and usher in his kingdoms. God, your kingdom come. And not only the human need of hope, but then the need for daily sustenance. I love here that Jesus says, give us each day our daily bread. What that means is day by day, Father, give us our daily bread. I'm reminded of the the widow in the Old Testament who God sent the prophet to, and she and her son were down to their last meal and oil to make a final meal before they starved to death. And God brings the prophet into her life, and God tells her to feed the prophet. And so every day when she wakes up, she makes the last bit of of bread from that meal and that oil. And you know what happens the next day when she gets up? There's more meal and oil. Not a ton of it, just enough for that day. And so I think as believers, we need to boil down our supplications to God to say, God, this day, Give me what I need for you this day. I'm not going to worry about on down the road. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to ask you to give me daily sustenance. What do I need today to serve you? And that's what that in the moment is what Jesus is wanting us to pray for. And then the third basic human need is a need for protection. We all need protection, don't we? In verse 4, Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, The way I see that is is saying, Father, deliver me from situations that are not good for me. You know, we have a tendency like sheep to go astray, don't we? And we need God to deliver us from those things that are not good for us. I think it also is, um, God, give me strength to resist temptation and endure trials God, help me live righteously. I need your strength to resist the daily pull of the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are not alone. We have the Lord's protection, and every day he is able to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. So those are the basic human needs. So we see that prayer is personal. Relationship with our Father, relationship with everyone who has the ability to sin against us, And then for basic human needs. Number two, the second truth that Jesus teaches us is prayer should be simple. Notice the brevity and simplicity of Jesus' prayer. It's not a long prayer, it's probably shorter than some of the prayers you pray each day. There's no flowery words, there's no platitudes, there's no deep theological terms or phrases there's no long-winded prayer here. There's no King James English. It's very, very simple. Jesus said in another passage in Matthew 6, as he's talking about prayer and teaching the multitudes, he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So Jesus Christ, God the Son, tells His believers, His followers, not to use flowery words and and phrases meant to impress others, but He leads us into simple prayer. It is, at its root, a conversation with God. And I think so many of us are intimidated by prayer because we don't know what to say. And especially praying in front of others, we're afraid that our prayers won't measure up. Let's be honest. We feel a little prayer press, prayer peer pressure. That's a hard one to say. Say that three times real fast. Prayer peer pressure. That's, that's tough, isn't it? <laughs> that is a tough one. But let's be honest with each other. We're in a group and somebody, you know, is going to have, have somebody pray and that fear begins to creep up we begin to rehearse what we're going to say, and, you know, it's, it's tough, isn't it? It's intimidating, but that's not what Jesus intended. He intended it to be a simple conversation with God. That's why in our latitude curriculum, as part of our small group uh, time, there is a, a, a conversation with God section, and it is written so that anybody could read it, um, would be comfortable praying it in front of a group. It's it's a tool to help people realize that prayer doesn't have to be this intimidating holy habit that only the spiritual and mature do. Anybody can pray because it's a conversation with God. Another great example of a simple prayer is when Jesus said a blessing over a meal at the feeding of the 5,000. Now think about this, this is probably one of the most epic miracles recorded in scripture. You know, when you break it down, Jesus not only fed 5000 men, there were men, women and children there as well. So this could have been 15,000 people that he fed. This is a major miracle. And yet there's no mention of the exact words that Jesus said. He said that he blessed, he blessed them and he blessed the food. So I think it's important for us to see that You know, this model prayer is simple and it's meant to be that way. Jesus chose for it to be that way as a template for our prayers. So not only is prayer personal and prayer is simple, but third, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. It's powerful in scope. Father, your kingdom come. We know that one day the kingdoms of this world will pass away and there will be a king who comes and sits on the throne of his father David and his kingdom will be seen in all its fullness for all eternity and the world will forever be different because of his kingdom come. And that's what we're praying. Father, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in my own heart. Your kingdom come in my family. Your kingdom come in my church. Your kingdom come in my community. It's powerful in scope. Not only is it powerful in scope, but it's powerful in praise. Hallowed, set apart be your name, God. And when you pray to God, do you ever sense the Spirit helping you to say words of praise to God? Maybe God calls to mind names of God. God, you are Elohim. You are Adonai, you are Yahweh, you are Jehovah. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The Holy Spirit helps us have powerful words of praise. And so, hallowed be thy name, Jesus is saying the first thing you do is praise your Father. And that praise is powerful. The third thing is powerful to cleanse. And I love this one especially. Prayer is powerful to cleanse. Matt said it earlier, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now friends, if you remember when you came to faith in Christ, some of you were adults, some of you were kids, some of you were teenagers. It was a simple prayer Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive my sins and come into my heart and save me. And some of your prayers were maybe even more basic than that. Lord, help me. I need a Savior. The amazing thing is that simple prayer changed your life forever. In one split second, something old in you died and something new was born you were transformed into a new creation in Christ Jesus, a simple prayer. And so we need to realize that not only in our prayer for salvation, but our prayer for cleansing, our prayers of confession, when you think about the person that we've sinned against, we can come to him in contrition and just honestly come clean with him, and he will forgive us every time. It's amazing how powerful this prayer is to cleanse. Father, forgive us our sins. And then it's powerful to sustain God's provision for our daily needs day by day, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. We serve a God who's able to meet all of our needs. And then fourth, the truths about this prayer this prayer is timeless. This was first prayed 2,000 years ago, and if the Lord tarries in his return, that kingdom come, it will be prayed by his church in 2,000 years. When you think about it, for 2,000 years, believers in Jesus from all nations, tribes, and villages, young and old, in every known language, have prayed this model prayer. And they will continue to pray this prayer until the Lord returns, and possibly throughout eternity. This prayer is a gift to all believers in every generation for all time. Have you thought about it that way? It is a timeless treasure. I remember during COVID, one of the things that really spoke to my heart when we were all feeling, feeling isolated is I saw a video where they took people from all over the world, and they were saying the Lord, different parts of the Lord's Prayer, and it's like, you know, this simple prayer that people all over the world are saying, and they're tying it all together, and it, I just felt connected to the body of Christ. This prayer is timeless, and it's powerful. It's simple, and it's beautiful. So, now that we've learned the truths from this passage, let's talk about practical application. Oh boy, how am I going to move on in this continuum toward loving to pray? I want to say, first of all, that the the first step in maturing in a holy habit of prayer is to ask God for help. Romans 8 26 through 27 says in the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God we don't know many times what we should pray for ask God for help You know, the Bible calls him our helper so many times, and there's a reason for that. God will help us. Okay, so that's number one. Ask God for help. Number two, ask others for help. There are people in the body of Christ who are mature in their prayer life. Their prayers are answered consistently. They love to pray. You need to get into a mentoring relationship with them and have them teach you to pray. That's what the disciples did with Jesus. They saw his prayer life, that it was powerful and effective, and they wanted that. And so they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Why not grab a mentor within our church or one of your friends that is a, a, a prayer warrior who just loves to pray for others and ask them for help? Kimberly has been a prayer mentor in my life. I love Um, how Kimberly has developed that holy habit my parents have been mentors in my prayer life so maybe you just need to ask for help that's called humility right third try a new approach you know the adage if what you're doing fails time and time again or doesn't work that's the definition of insanity right So maybe some of you have been trying the same things over and over in your prayer life, and it's just not working. You're not moving in that continuum. You're stuck. So let me give you a few little simple ideas. Maybe we'll kickstart your prayer life. I don't know. It helped me. All right, so let's talk about daily prayers. This is something that I've been doing now for about two or three years because I was struggling with consistency and joy in my prayer life. So I get up and have a cup of coffee before it gets light outside, and as soon as it's light, I just go out there no matter rain or shine, and I get on the porch, even if it's just for 30 seconds because it's so cold outside, but I say the Lord's Prayer every day, and I mean it. It's it's my good morning to my Father. And then I say a prayer for true riches, and this is something that's not I adapted it from something else I saw, but it's very simple. I'm going to recite it to you. Father in heaven, by the power of the Spirit who dwells so mightily in me, these are the riches I choose to pursue today. I want to be humble, joyful, grateful, content, free from anxiety, free from fear, compassionate, and generous. I pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I pray those two prayers every day. Do I make it seven days a week? Not always, but most of the time. So that's an area that helped me move in that continuum. And then there's weekly prayers. Kimberly and I have developed a holy habit that on our way to church, now we didn't ride together today, so we prayed before we went in separate cars. But we, we pray a prayer together every Sunday on the way to church, and the first prayer is this, Father, center our hearts and our minds on you alone. Secondly, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. And it's this idea of tenderizing our hearts. And, and third, Lord, change us. And so that prayer may look a little different every time, but the idea is focusing our minds on corporate worship and preparing our hearts and our ears so that we can be edified and be a blessing to others. And then I would recommend prayer tools. Uh, I was stuck in my prayer life probably about 12 or 13 years ago, and I, you know, I was really disappointed in myself and pretty hard on myself. And I thought, you know, I need something to kick start and, and make me enjoy praying again. I Didn't feel like it was necessarily unconfessed sin. I just felt like it was a lack of discipline And I'd kind of grown out of the habit You know how when somebody stops going to church that was faithful one time and they do that time and time again How hard it is to get back into it? And so I think that's kind of where I was at in my prayer life And so I picked up this book called Valley of Vision Have you heard of it? It's an old collection of Puritan prayers. These people knew how to pray I mean serious prayers, and so what I began to do is, is read from the Valley of Vision every day and just read through those prayers, and I was amazed at how timely they were. At one time, I tried the Book of Common Prayer, which is an Anglican uh, book, and it was a little too structured for me, but I tried it because I felt like if that'll help me grow in the discipline and the holy habit of prayer, and I, it was kind of complicated for me and so um i i just said now i better go back to the valley of vision (laughs) um and then uh, a prayer journal or guided prayer app you know there's all kinds of apps out there that will help keep you accountable and keep you moving forward in prayer and then this is one i learned from kimberly is she writes down prayers and saves them in her phone about different topics and then as when she is praying, she doesn't know what to pray specifically. She pulls up those prayers that she's already written and uses those to help her pray. And then I would say another tool is praying with others. I guarantee you, Tammy and the prayer team would love to have you join them. So that may be something you need to do is begin to pray with others because your prayer life may be a little stale and you may need to try a different approach. I would recommend coming to the prayer service in March. It's just like 45 minutes or an hour of your day, and it's a great blessing to be praying together, just concentrating on prayer. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. That's coming up March 10th. Go ahead and I, you won't offend me if you get out your calendars, your, your phone calendars, and put that in there. March 10th. Matter of fact, I would say, Hallelujah. Um, I want, I'd love to see you there. Okay, and then number four, if you're taking notes, if you're still hanging with me here, discerning prayers. And I'm going to talk to you students for a minute. What's not a discerning prayer? You find out that you have a test coming at the end of the week, and you make decisions to play video games and go hang out with your friends and just take naps and goof around, and then Thursday night comes, or worse, Friday morning, and you're like, oh my goodness, I have a test today. God, please help me to do good on my test. God, please, you know, help me to know the answers. That's not a discerning prayer. It's not. A discerning prayer would be, um, I've got a test this Friday. I've studied really hard. I have, I've taken in as much as I can do, I feel like I've done my best to prepare, and then you pray, Lord, call to my memory the things that I've studied, help calm my heart when I take my test, give me wisdom to be able to discern the answers. That is a discerning prayer, the other is not. So I would say, believers, do your homework. Do some things that cause you to be able to have discerning prayers. And then fifth, declarations of faith. James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord declarations of faith. Somebody taught me this recently. Pray with declarations of faith. Um, This is focusing on what you know to be true about God and not on your own problem or current situation. God, I know who you are. I know that you work all things together for my good. I know that without faith it's impossible to please you, so I'm going to trust you. God, I know that you said if I seek first your kingdom all these things that i need will be added to me i trust you and i declare scripture i declare truths about your character and your ways and god i when i pray it's not going to be this anxious oh please 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 it's going to be a firm declaration of faith being steadfast in what i know to be true so declarations of faith and six prayers of sufficiency Prayers of sufficiency. Not gimme, 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 Lord, but prayers of sufficiency that say, God, whether you decide to answer my prayers or not, your grace is sufficient for me. God, you are enough. That's a prayer of sufficiency. Lord, you are enough. We see that in Job's life. You know, though he will slay me, yet I'll serve him you're enough. So friends, prayer is not this supposed to be this magic bullet that you shoot at all your problems. Prayer is conversation with your heavenly father who loves you and delights in you. You are his beloved child. You are so precious in his sight, and he wants to answer your prayers that are good for you, but he expects you to grow in maturity in your prayer life. Folks, Redeemer should be a praying church. I would love for us to be known as a church that prays, not the flowery stuff, you know, not the trying to impress anybody stuff, just the basic, simple, powerful prayer that we're taught in the scriptures. So, you know, I talked about us starting somewhere. What I'd like to do is pull up the Lord's Prayer from Matthew and let's pray it together as we practice the holy habit of praying to our Father. Would you stand with me? And think of yourself as a child talking to your Father who loves you and wants to communicate with you. And let's, let's, let's just pray to him. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Shannon, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. I trust that the Lord has spoken to you through His Word, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I invite you to trust Him today. If you have questions about what that means, reach out to us through our website, RedeemerRC.com, and one of our pastors will be in touch. In addition, if you would like to partner with Redeemer in her mission to share, shape, and send, you can support our ministry by visiting RedeemerRC.com forward slash give. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your active participation in the life of a local church. But tune in next week as we continue to lift high the name of Jesus through every paragraph, passage, and page of the Bible.